His theology was not based on sola scriptura. And this is at the heart of the problem with so-called progressive Christianity. They do not adhere to sola scriptura. Conversations with Bob McAvoy on the Semper Reformata podcast. So with me in the studio pod today is Cecil Andres, the man behind Take Heed Ministries. And that's a well-known Christian discernment ministry based here in Northern Ireland. So Cecil, welcome today. Well, thank you, Bob. It's nice to meet up again and I appreciate the invite to do this podcast with you and I hope it will be helpful. I hope so. Cecil, it seems that Take Heed's been around for a good wee while now. I remember getting your newsletter back when I lived in Randallstown and that was maybe over 20 years ago. Can you tell me how the Lord called you into this unique ministry? How did it all start? Well, I was privileged to be born to Christian parents. They raised us and processed us through the church, but I wasn't saved. And in fact, I drifted well away from church. But in 1984, through various circumstances, I became aware of my sinfulness. And I went to a church service one Sunday evening, and the Lord graciously saved me that night. He opened my eyes to the imputed righteousness of Christ, and that thrilled my soul. I later changed job that year, moved from Portadown to Belfast to work. And uh, I was working away there. 1985, I moved to live in Carryduff, and living opposite me was a man called Jim McCormick, a retired vet who had operated an apologetics ministry for many years from his house. And we became friends, and that introduced me to this concept of defending the truth against false teachings. I was offered an opportunity to leave secular employment in 1989, and I did that. And the following September 1990, I formed Take Heed Ministries. I worked for a time along with Jim McCormick in the Breeders' Centre Ministry, but then eventually my own ministry grew to such a stage that I had to part company amicably, and uh, I left and I moved to Balnehinch in 2000, and there is an office in the house there. Uh, so I've been really operating in Take Heed since 1990, so it's coming 32 years. That's excellent, Cecil. And it's interesting, the, the connection with Carrie Duff and with W.J. McCormick, because his wife Rita actually studied Greek with me way back in the 70s. So there's a connection I didn't know about. Uh, that's interesting. And along the way, you must have met some interesting people and had challenging debates and encounters. Can you tell me about some of the people you've met and some of the international opportunities you've had to defend the faith? Well, obviously, once I formed Take Heed Ministries, I was seeking to counter any false teachings that were on the go. And living in Ireland, obviously, the subject of Roman Catholicism came up. And I wanted both to challenge the false teachings of the Church of Rome, but also try to reach out to Roman Catholics. And so over the years, I organized a series of public debates 
involving uh, Roman Catholic priests, and in particular, a good friend of mine from America called Rob Zins, himself a converted Roman Catholic. And we had great debates in Belfast, in Cary Duff, in Enniskillen, Dundalk, and uh, these were well attended, and it was a great opportunity uh, to uh, speak to people about the truth of the gospel. As far as meeting interesting personalities, another aspect of the ministry was that I would invite specialists, if you like to call them that, certain areas to come and do meetings in the province. Uh, Two of the first I invited were Dave Hunt, author in particular of The Seduction of Christianity, which I found to be a great help. It alerted me to the so-called health and wealth gospel. And along with Dave, I had Bart Brewer, a former Roman Catholic priest uh, who I'd met in London in 1990. And they came over and did a series of meetings. They also took part in a public debate. Uh, Then I invited Mike Gendron, again a converted Roman Catholic, to come and do meetings for me. Uh, Richard Bennett, a former priest, uh, he came and did meetings for me. Frank Eberhardt, a former trainee priest, came and did meetings. So there was very much an emphasis to uh, reach out to Roman Catholic people with the truth of the gospel. Others I invited was a pastor called Gary Gilley, who wrote a very helpful book, This Little Church Went to Market, about the seeker-sensitive movement and the drawbacks to it. Uh, I also invited a man called Alan Morrison, who uh, in the mid-1990s around the world, there was the so-called Toronto Blessing, and he came over and spoke on it uh, for me. And then, of course, I spoke later myself on it. I brought over Errol Davies, who at that time was principal of Brinterian Theological College in Wales, and he spoke about probably one of the only exports in the false teachings that we have exported from Ireland, and that is the Cuneites, Mm -hmm. and he gave talks on that. I also invited Sean Wilcock from South Africa, who operates a very good apologetics ministry. So I've really uh, had many people coming here, but I've also had opportunity to go to places like America. I have taken part in three former Catholics for Christ conferences. Although I'm not a former Catholic, the fact that our ministry was reaching out to Catholics, I was invited along. And so those were held in uh, Los Angeles, in Texas, and also in Springfield, Illinois. So uh, I've really been blessed to meet many brothers from all parts of the world, and together we sought to uh, promote the truth of the gospel. Well, that's an impressive list. Many of those people internationally well-known. And you've dealt with um, multiple doctrinal errors and deviations, false cults like the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, false teachers, deceptive movements that sit on the fringes of Orthodox Christianity, like Oneness Pentecostalism and the Emergent Church Movement. I'm wondering, do you think it is these less obvious heresies that pose the most danger for the unwary Christian? Well, I I think uh, all false teachings pose uh, a threat to the truth. And there are obvious groups that you've mentioned by name there. But I think one of the most confusing things for Christians is the language that is used by all of these groups, including the cults. Uh, If I could give an example, uh, the Mormons have 13 articles of faith, 
And the first one says, We believe in God, the eternal Father, and in his Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, that sounds very orthodox. Doesn't Until you go to one of their four uh, scriptures, doctrines and covenants, it says this. The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, the Son also, but the Holy Ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but is a personage of spirit. So you find that they're sort of what sounded like an Orthodox Trinitarian article of faith certainly bears no resemblance to the triune God who is revealed to us in the scriptures. Uh, That's one example. That could be confusing for the average believer, couldn't it? That's right. Uh, another example is you, you mentioned oneness. And of course, in Northern Ireland, we have a denomination called the Church of God, uh, which support oneness. Uh, back in 1990, they held a jubilee celebration to mark 50 years in the, pro- in the province. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was held in the Ulster Hall. They published a booklet. And one of the pages is Things Most Surely Believed Among Us. And Article 2 is headed God. And it says, we believe that there is one sovereign God revealed in Scripture as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And again, that sounds Sounds pretty orthodox. Mm -hmm. But when you dig further into it, one of their pastors said, we believe that there is one God who has manifested himself as Father, as Son, and as Holy Spirit. He is the Father in the manifestation of his deity. He is the Son in the manifestation of his humanity. And he is the Holy Spirit dwelling in the hearts of his peoples. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are merely three offices of Jesus Christ in the same way as he is prophet, priest, and king. So there you find that they do not believe in the triune God revealed in the Holy Scriptures. And they present a God who is contradicted by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 8. He was in debate and uh, he said, in your law, the testimony of two people is sufficient. He says, I am one that testify of myself, and my Father also testifies of me. So he made it clear that he and the Father were separate, distinct persons. And that refutes the central error of oneness. Yeah, and that can be, again, very difficult for ordinary Christians. Looking at that statement on the Trinity, they'd almost think that was orthodox. Well, suppose that brings us on to what we're meant to be talking about today, which is the subject of progressive Christianity. And I've noticed on social media that you've been doing a series of talks on that subject. Why has progressive Christianity been made one of your focuses? Is there an upsurge in the activities of the so-called progressive? Are their numbers increasing? Yes, uh, I would say that progressive Christianity is on the march. It has tapped into the spirit of the age. And one of the ways that it has done this is going back again to the subject of language. They again will use language that to the unwary Christian sounds fine. But the reality is that they apply totally different meanings to biblical terminology that you and I would be familiar with. 
It's what we call deconstruction. There's an excellent book by a lady called Alyssa Childers. It's called Another Gospel. And the background was that she and her husband had been living in a particular town in America. They moved to another town and started attending the midweek of a church in this new town. And after a few weeks, they came home one night and sort of looked at each other and thought, what is this guy going on about? because he was totally uh, redefining biblical terminology as they understood it. Uh, She writes uh, in her book this, In the context of faith, deconstruction is the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. Traditional understandings of the cross, the Bible, and the gospel get taken out with the trash. Uh, She's got a a way with words, if I can put it that way. She uh, explained that it really was terrible uh, what they were doing to uh, Christianity. And uh, she mentions a number uh, of things uh, that are uh, to be dropped. She says the virgin birth doesn't matter. The resurrection probably happened, but you don't have to believe in it. The atonement, that would be a nope. When she said the atonement, that would be a nope. Most progressive Christians deny the very heart of the gospel, which is penal substitution. The biblical truth that Christ suffered as a substitute the penalty due to sinners. They reject that. One of their heroes is Steve Chalk. Steve Chalk wrote a book some years ago called The Lost Message of Jesus. And in it, he said that this idea of penal substitution is a vengeful father pouring out his anger against his son. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it's the greatest demonstration of divine love. God demonstrated his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And penal substitution is taught right throughout the scriptures. If you go to the Old Testament and look at Isaiah 53, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. So the very heart of the gospel is very much denied by uh, these people. Another helpful book is called The Truth War. Because, in fact, progressive Christianity is a natural follow-on from a challenge to Christianity about 15 years ago called the Emergent Church. The emergent church was unstructured, it was informal, it was non-creedal, it was really a group of pastors around the world who were uh, of the same mind. Uh, They wanted to redo the way church was done. They wanted to adopt a different attitude to the culture surrounding them, and they wanted to rethink what actually constitutes truth. Uh, John MacArthur, in his book The Truth For, he said this, A recent issue of Christianity Today featured a cover article about the emerging church. That is the popular name for an informal affiliation of Christian communities worldwide who want to revamp the church, change the way Christians interact with their culture, and remodel the way we think about truth itself. So I would say that the emerging church was the bud, and progressive Christianity is the flower that has emerged from that. That's all very interesting. But there's nothing about sin or eternal conscious punishment of the Christ rejecter. Nothing about vicarious atonement. It's all woolly, fluffy stuff. It's all social justice and 
radical feminism and ecology and LGBT rights and diversity, the overwhelming idea, the overriding idea seems to be that Christianity ought to adopt to the culture rather than remain what it has always been, proclaiming the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So when you talk to Christians about progressive Christianity, what are you warning believers to look out for? Well, I think you've hit the, hit, hit the nail on the head there, Bob, uh, about what they don't talk about. I mentioned how the emerging church was unstructured, informal, and non-credal. Progressive Christians are structured. They have websites, Progressive Christian Network Britain, for instance. Mm-hmm. And if you go to that, you can click on it, and they will give you lots of regions in GB. And if you click on those regions, they'll give you all the various churches. And there's a whole wide range of churches identifying as pro-Christian. You have uh, Church of Scotland, you have Anglican, you have Methodist, you have Baptist. uh, All sorts of groups are now identifying as progressive. And they are creedal. They subscribe to an eight-point statement of faith. And in that eight points, there's not one mention of sin, of Calvary, or the cross. Also, when Jesus is referred to him, the best that they will say about him is he was a teacher. (laughs) He's never referred to as the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are seeking to create a community. And I quote from their statement of faith that is open to conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, those of all sexual orientations and all gender identities. So they can be accepted into the community, even though they don't claim to be a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. They're accepted in, and they can be in leadership roles. Uh, So it is totally contrary to the church as being built by the Lord Jesus Christ, who are to be a separated people from the way that they used to live. Yeah. I mean, is there a difference then between these modern progressives and what we would have known in the 70s, you know, the old-fashioned liberal Christianity, the World Council of Churches, the ecumenical movements of the last century? Is there a difference between those and the modern progressives, do you think? Again, a very helpful book that I got was called A Grand Illusion, How Progressive Christianity Undermines Biblical Faith. It's by a man called David Young. And this is what he wrote. In recent years, many evangelicals have begun to shift from their once strongly held position on the final authority of Scripture toward a more progressive vision of the faith, one that is often built on sentiment and in general step with secular values. Progressivism is simply a rehashing of old established themes that have marked theological liberalism for nearly two centuries. Universalism is a hallmark of old-school theological liberalism, the idea that at the end of the day, everybody's going to be okay. He goes on to say, Escaping the plain teachings of Scripture is necessary for progressivism, which requires that contemporary feelings define faith rather than biblical and historic Christianity. So you're right, it's really just an updated version of theological liberalism. Yeah. Talking about that website with the map of churches connected with the progressive movement, surely we don't have much of that in Northern Ireland, do we? I mean, 
We're the land of the 1859 revival, Cecil. We're the land of W.P. Nicholson and Ian Paisley. We were the last bastion of biblical Protestantism in Europe. So are there churches and groups here that would actually openly declare themselves to be progressive? Well, yeah, you're right. That website is Progressive Christianity Network Britain, so it refers to GB. But that doesn't cocoon us from progressive Christianity here in Northern Ireland. And yes, there are different groups dotted around the province. Uh, I could mention some of them. The main one, I think, would be Faith Community Church in uh, Carrickfergus. Yeah, Yeah, it's called Harbour Community. They loosely identify with Anglicanism, but I'm not just sure how close the ties are there. But they, they are pastored uh, by a man called Steve Ames, and I'll say a little bit more about him. But there's Faith Community in Carrickfergus. There's Down Community in Down Patrick. There's All Souls Non-Subscribing Church in Elmwood Avenue. There's two groups in Belfast, one called Spectrum and one called Soul Space. There was another group uh, up the Donegal Road called Left Side Up. Uh, thankfully, it sort of closed down in January of this year. Possibly they ran into economic difficulties because they saw they were selling off their office furniture at the beginning of the year. And then there are various denominations who, whilst they might not be represented in Northern Ireland, they, they would have influenced. There's the Episcopal Church which you find in Scotland and America. Uh, they are in the vanguard of promoting progressivism. Uh, Michael Curry, Bishop Michael Curry, who preached at Harry and Meghan's wedding, oh, yes. heads up the American outfit, uh-huh. and he is driving hard for same-sex marriage. Uh, also, they had sort of bishops, John Shelby Spong and Richard Holloway, who over the decades wrote articles trashing every biblical doctrine. Church of Scotland, just a couple of months ago, sadly, took the decision to allow same-sex marriage. And in many ways, that vindicated the stance of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, who several years ago severed their ties with the Church of Scotland because of the direction that they were heading on LGBT matters. Wesley's Chapel in Bristol, uh, which I visited a number of years ago when I was in the area, They took a decision just a couple of months ago unanimously to allow the building to be used for same-sex marriages. A friend of mine, just back from a few weeks in Canada, he was in Toronto, he went to see the building of St. James Anglican Cathedral, a very impressive building, but outside, hanging on the front of it, was this welcome sign, and of course it had the rainbow colours on it. Oh yeah. Also, towards the end of June, on their Facebook uh, page, they invited proud Anglicans to take part in the Great Pride March that was taking place in Toronto. And there's a, a church in Edmonton, Holy Spirit Lutheran, who are inviting parents to bring their children along for a talk by a drag queen. So this is the direction, yeah, as you say... Total disregard for what the Bible says on morality. Yeah, that seems to be the key. Book of the Month. Follow the link to buy your copy. It's September and our catechism classes based on the Heidelberg Catechism have recommenced. If you haven't got a copy of the catechism, then I would really urge you to purchase a copy and to keep it and to read it. It will be a worthwhile addition to any library.
and a personal paper copy is probably essential for any meaningful study of the plain and practical Christian teachings that the Catechism contains. So for September, the Heidelberg Catechism will be our Book of the Month. Links to buy your copy at just £2.95 can be found on the episode notes during September or contact me by email. The email address is bob at bobmacavoy.co.uk September's Book of the Month The Heidelberg Catechism When you buy a copy, a small amount of the price supports this podcast. Can I tell you a story, Cecil? Um, A few years ago I was at a wedding. And somebody invited a church leader along. I honestly can't remember his name, but he was to speak. He read two scriptures, both from Paul's epistles and both on the subject of love. And he made his way up to the microphone and began to address the gathering. It was a fairly conversational style, no rhetoric, no preachiness, certainly no outward enthusiasm, but with a good bit of humour. But he didn't make any attempt whatsoever to exegete the texts that had been read. In fact, he largely ignored them. Instead, he began to tell us about something he called his faith journey, which he said would be totally different from everybody else's faith journey. And it seemed to fall into three general points. Point number one, he remembered his college days when he thought there might just be a God somewhere. And he illustrated that by telling us, fictitious story about a man of whom we had heard only snippets of information and on that basis we'd formed an opinion of him and that he said was how he thought about God. Point number two he remembered reading under the guidance of a friend some passage from Romans from which he learned that the reason he knew so little about God was that we are estranged from him by our own and I quote lack of understanding nothing there about sin. And his third point was that he finally realised that God wanted to have, again I quote, a love relationship with him. And that really excited him. And that began his walk, his journey with God. And then he finished with prayer. Now, in no point in the sermon, which lasted about 20 minutes, a lot of that time filled with various sort of gulps and ums and ahs and sips of water, at no time did he mention sin. He never mentioned the word Jesus. He never spoke about the cross, atonement, repentance or forgiveness. Basically, he spoke about himself and his somewhat nebulous experience of God. Now, I don't know who that man is, but I want to ask you, was I listening that day to one of these progressive church leaders? Well, he certainly fits the bill uh, to be considered to be one. The problem was with his theology. Mm -hmm. His theology was not based on sola scriptura. And this is at the heart of the problem with so-called progressive Christianity. They do not adhere to sola scriptura. Uh, One of the leading lights uh, in Northern Ireland is a young man called Andrew Cunning. And he describes himself as a theologian. He he did an interview for uh, Alf McCreary in the Belfast Telegraph in February of this year, and he made numerous references to the fact that he's a theologian. And he has been doing courses on theology uh, in various places around the province. Uh, And last year, he he did one in the Harbour Community uh, Church in Carrickfergus. And it was interesting to see what the second lesson that he was 
putting forward on theology was. It was called The Sources of Theology. And this is what he said. Through exploring the four sources of theology and examining their relationship, this session sets up us to do theology in our own way. Oh. He then gives the four sources of theology. Reason, experience, tradition, and scripture. And that would be cherry-picked scripture yeah. uh, and so on. Once you introduce human input into theology, you're going to taint it, you're going to poison it. Theology has to be based on an objective, revealed truth, not subjective thinking by human individuals. I have a dictionary uh, of theological terms that was written by Dr. Alan Kearns, and I like what he says about theology, so bear with me as I read it. He defined it, the systematic study of the being, attribute, purposes, and works of God and of the world, man, and history in relation to him. It is usually referred to as a science because it should be conducted by the investigation of the objective data of divine revelation, which has its full expression in the written and incarnate word, i.e. in the Bible and its Christ-centered message. This basis is an objective divine revelation, is what marks the difference between theology and philosophy or metaphysical speculation. With the spread of subjectivism, much of what passes for theology grows increasingly like speculative philosophy. And really, that's at the heart of progressive Christianity. It is speculative theology. The chap, Andrew Cunning, who described himself as this theologian and runs courses, he said this about the Bible. The Bible wasn't written by God, it wasn't error-free, and it really did contain some horrible passages. So that says it all, all, really, Bob, about where they're coming from. Uh, Some years ago, I, I did a talk on Sola Scriptura, and I had two headings. The positive effects of accepting sola scriptura and the negative defects of abandoning sola scriptura. And progressive Christianity is riddled with negative defects. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've mentioned the name Andrew Cunning. Are there other names we should be aware of, that men or women, I suppose, who are associated with the progressive Christian movement who would be worth watching? Yes, we've mentioned Andrew Cunning, and uh, he said this uh, about the Bible. It wasn't written by God, it wasn't error-free, and it really did contain some horrible passages. And that really sums up the heart of the matter. It's the fact that progressive Christians do not accept sola scriptura. He wasn't challenged about it, how that would be contrary to the teaching of the Word of God. So Andrew Cunning is certainly one to look out for because he has great influence where young people are concerned. I was speaking uh, in a church a couple of months ago uh, on the subject of progressive Christianity, and I mentioned Andrew Cunning. And at the end of the service, the man said to me, that chap Cunning was on Sunday sequence this morning. And I listened to the interview, and in the midst of the interview, it was almost like a throwaway line. He said to the interviewer, oh, by the way, I'm bisexual myself. 
I mentioned the Harbour Faith Community in Carrickfergus, their pastor Steve Ames, in the public consultation in the run-up to same-sex marriage being legalised in Northern Ireland, he expressed that he was all for it and hoped to carry out the first same-sex marriage. When it was then uh, verified later in that year, he got his wish and he conducted the first same-sex marriage. So that's Steve James. Then there's a lady called Karen Sathuraman. She describes herself as the only Baptist pastor (laughs) in Ireland. I assure people she didn't get her credentials from the Irish Baptist College in Mora. She certainly didn't. But she's involved in Spectrum and Soul Space. Uh, She cooperates closely with Gordon McDade, who's involved in the Down Community Church. And in March of this year, they, along with the Minister of All Souls Non-Subscribing, Chris Hudson, commissioned a lady called Patricia Whiteside to work with Spectrum and Soul Space and to be a chaplain for them. And I saw photographs of the service in All Souls Church. And there they were all laying hands on this lady. And the place was decked out with rainbow flags and all that type of thing. Uh, Another who is obviously very supportive of this idea, he is on uh, Andrew Cunning's Facebook page, regularly liking comments, is Michael Wardlow, who was formerly the uh, head of the Equality Commission. He was the man who hounded Asher's Bakery through the courts at the taxpayer's expense, and uh, thankfully they were rightly vindicated and found not guilty of the charge he was orchestrating against them. He has left uh, the uh, Equality Commission, and he now heads up TransLink. Uh, so those, Trans- those are just some. Is that the transport company. That's correct. Not- Okay. I'm afraid I have a wicked sense of humour, Bob. And when I heard TransLink, I thought, well, that yeah. seems pretty good. You yeah, know, I, I thought that was a progressive move for him. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> no, it's just TransLink, the train company. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry, I mentioned uh, that left side up organisation, uh-huh. and two people who were involved were Ian and June Carton. Ian was the minister of Whitehead Presbyterian Church, but last year he resigned because he didn't agree with the PCI approach to LGBT matters. It appeared that his wife, June, hadn't been attending the church for about a year, so they were involved in Left Side Up. That's interesting. And Gordon McDade's name cropped up there. I mean, he would have moved in Orthodox circles um, and Baptist circles and congregational circles in the Uh, past. I first met Gordon many decades ago when he invited me to speak in John White Memorial Congregational Church in Belfast. He then moved from there to be the assistant pastor in Strandtown Baptist Church. He then went to Baldenhinch Baptist Church to be their pastor. He left a few years ago and there were a few murmurs and so on. But anyhow, he moved on and he ended up in the Causeway Vineyard Church on the North Coast. And then he's at the Down Community Church. So he's had quite a checkered quite, career. And, and quite a quite a downward slope to that career by the looks of things. Well, it's certainly from Congregational Baptist to ending up in Progressive Christianity. Yeah. That That's not good. I mean, I've heard of one progressive group, maybe you've maybe even mentioned this already, um, having an abortionist along to a service to talk about her work and others planning to 
conduct same-sex weddings. They really are wedded to the culture of the world, aren't they? Yes, you just reminded me. Uh, another group in Belfast who are going the progressive way are called Redeemer Central Church in Donegal Street. They occupy the premises that used to be owned uh, and occupied by the Congregational Church there. And in March of this year, uh, in their church announcements up on the screen, they put an announcement basically saying that no one would be excluded uh, from leadership on the basis of their views on LGBT matters. Uh, their unity was centered on the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, and they hoped that the church would soon be able to conduct same-sex marriages. Well, their confession that Jesus is Lord reminded me of Matthew 7, where the Lord says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. And the will of the Father is not for same-sex marriages to be uh, blessed by Christian assemblies. That's true. Well, Cecil, we have covered some ground, and it's been a fascinating conversation. And certainly some of the things that we've covered this morning will open eyes, I think, in in Christian circles across Northern Ireland. If a church wants to hear more, if it wants to hear one of your talks on this subject, so if they want you in their pulpit, live and in person, how do they contact you? Well, several methods. I have a ministry website, which is www.takeheed.info, and they can contact me through the email address that's given on that website. The email address is takeheed at aol.com, or if they want to use the old-fashioned phone, they can do that on 28 Double one. And is there any way Christian can support you? Prayer, helpful giving, as you need support? Prayer is very much welcomed and appreciated and coveted. If you go to the ministry website, uh, there's a little menu in red at the top, and one of those uh, headings is donation. And if someone wishes to uh, support the ministry, they can do that. Or again, my address is on the website. And if they want to send the old fashioned check, which are going out of fashion, more than welcome to do so. so. Cecil, you do a great job. And I've known you quite a few years. You've always came along and been helpful, gracious with the subjects that you're dealing with. And I very much have appreciated your ministry in the churches that I have pastored over the over the years. So, again, thanks, Cecil, for joining me for this special edition of the podcast. And let's hope the listener has found it helpful. Thanks, Bob. My privilege. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.